0: From truth to truth, wild, unfettered, untamed. Lightning Struck Lokians is a podcast by and for followers of the Norse trickster god Loki. With anecdotes on all things pagan and craft inclined. Scotty took a serpent and fastened up over him, so that the venom should drip from the serpent into his face. But Sigyn, his wife, stands by him, and holds a dish under the venom drops. Whenever the dish becomes full, she goes and pours away the venom, and meanwhile the venom drops onto Loki's face. There he twists his body so violently that the whole earth shakes, and this you call earthquakes. There he will lie bound until Ragnarok. Prozetta, verse
1: fifty-four. Welcome to another episode of Lightning Struck Lokians. I am one of the co-hosts, Sarah. I've been with Loki
2: for a little over three years now. I'm Birdie. Um, I'm your other co-host for today's episode. Uh, I've been working with Loki since spring of twenty eighteen. I'm also a priestess of Sigan, which ties into today's episode. On today's episode, we are actually talking about Loki's wife Sigan, and some of the things we're going to be covering are her origins, the cave, because you can't talk about Sigan without talking about the cave, her appearance, and what kind of offerings you can do for her. I've been a priestess of Segan officially since May, but I've actually been doing a lot of work with her and for her for at least a year now. And I really kind of adore Sigan. There's not a lot known about her. her origins. Actually, we only get a few lines about her in the source materials.
1: Yeah, so the only words that we really get from Segan and her existence as Loki's wife is in the Voluspa, stanza 34 and for those who don't know the veluspa is basically the words of the seer that odin woke from sleep so he can get prophecy of the end times also known as ragnarok it went i saw a prisoner lying in a certain wood the liar himself none other than loki there sits segan his wife although she finds no glee in her husband then this next passage comes from the Prose Edda. Now Loki was taken truceless and was brought with them into a certain cave. Thereupon they took three flat stones and set them on edge and drilled a hole in each stone. Then were taken Loki's sons, Vali and Narfi. The Aesir changed Vali into the form of a wolf, and he tore asunder Narfi, his brother. And the Aesir took his entrails and bound Loki with them over the three stones. One stands under his shoulders, the second under his loins, the third under his hues, And those bonds were turned to iron.
2: Ragnarok's really hard to deal with. I'm one of those people that like, like I got the Neil Gaiman Norse mythology when I was first figuring out this path and I stopped right before Ragnarok and I haven't been able to bring myself to read it. I know the gist of the story well enough. It, it hurts. I, I don't do it. <laughs> It's such
1: an elevated story that anyone who's really a big fan of Norse mythology kind of knows it. So it seems kind of like, I'm not going to say like a rite of passage because that's not really fair, but a lot of Lokians experience something to do with the bowl ritual or the cave because it's a very important part of Loki's story. Thus, Segen is very important to it.
2: I've actually had some really profound kind of experiences working with Sigan involving the bull. The most prominent one that I had was I had gone to the astral and I'd ended up there. It wasn't my intent. Like, I don't think anybody willingly goes to the cave. And I remember she met me at the opening of the cave. I asked her, so how do you feel about having Loki be called the burden of your arms? Because some people call him the burden of Sigan's arms. And she was like, well, that's the thing. Love is a burden and we have to choose who is deserving of it. And she pointed me in the cave and was like, knowing him, how you know him, would you hold the bowl? Well, yeah, I would in a heartbeat. And I ended up holding the bowl. And I was holding the bowl. I kind of realized that if you don't empty it, it spills over and then it like hurts everybody. What I took away from that and one thing that she keeps working on me with because it's very hard. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people. It's very hard for me to like empty my bowl and take care of myself because I'm worried about everybody around me, we choose who we hold the bowl for. And maybe it feels like an obligation, maybe it doesn't, but we do it willingly because we love who we're protecting or who we're helping. And even in your sacrifices, there's always choice. But you have to remember too that when you do that, you have to empty the bowl too, because otherwise it spills over and it gets all over you and it gets all over the person you're trying to help. So it's a balanced thing. It's something I'm continually working on. It's part of why I work with Segan, and I recognize that. We choose who we love, and we choose to take that on.
1: Yeah, I had a very different experience um, when I went to the cave. (laughs) I feel like that SNL skit with... um... It's like about the alien encounters, and <laughs> everyone's like talking about this like blessed experience with the aliens like oh he he wrapped me in divine light and gently put put me down into a beautiful field of grass, and then there's Kay McKinnon, and she's like, "Yeah, uh, I had a different experience." <laughs>
2: I remember that skit. It's been forever since I've seen it, but I know exactly the one that you're talking about. This is a good time to point out before you kind of share your story. Nobody's ever going to experience this sort of thing the same way as anybody else. Your, your, your thing was very different than mine. Yeah.
1: I didn't have such a nice time. I mean, it's never really like a nice time when you go to the cave. Yeah, Um, I was
2: going to say, it wasn't exactly like (laughs) a walk in the park when I went. Not that
1: it like- Not where you want
2: to go on vacation. Not really that cozy.
1: Yeah, I ended up being Loki in that moment. It was bound to the rock, unable to move, venom dripping on my face. Not cute. I learned about vulnerability. I'm like a very controlling person. (laughs) Having to rely on somebody to hold the bull for me was a drastic experience. It came at a very weird time because I was doing the bull ritual that everyone was talking about.
2: It ended up quite the opposite. I think it goes to show that the gods really know what you need to learn. And one way or or another, they're going to express it to you.
1: Sometimes things just don't go as planned. And sometimes that means it's the most resonant experience. To be fair, I wasn't really in a place to honor Segan anyway, because she's kind of, Loki's very protective of her. He is very protective of everyone that he loves. Segan is also, like, really harshly interpreted. And so I think because of that, he's kind of, I don't know.
2: He's wary of who to show her to and who not to
1: exactly like she didn't come around for me until much later in my practice because i wasn't really in a place to honor her Uh i remember
2: when he introduced me to her he did the will smith meme you know the one where he's like look
1: (laughs) this is my wife (laughs) now i'm thinking of um and here's my wife it's the dictator guy
2: is it borat yeah borat and here's my wife honestly it was really amusing and then he kind of followed it up with you're gonna get to know her real well (laughs) here i am a priestess for her now imagine that This is a good time to go ahead and talk about how she kind of appears to people, though, considering that, like you said, she's kind of portrayed harshly in a lot of the media. One of the things that came about is the whole idea of the child bride. And that is, like, one of the most toxic things that I can think of. Selena Krauskova, ignore her at all costs. By implying child bride, there's, like, no agency, there's no consent, you know, it's something that you're forced into. At least in my practice, that's not the case at all. And I think it's really demeaning to think of it like that. I think there's a lot of
1: media portrayals of her that continue to take away her agency, especially like in the Marvel comics. Not that any of it is ever, like, absolutely in according to the myth, But <laughs> basically, Loki tricks her beloved into dying in war. So he then turns into said beloved and marries her, like, tricks her into marrying him. Yeah, and then she's just like, well, I already married him, which gives her, like, the title goddess of fidelity. But that also, like, implies another level of things.
2: Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> (laughs)
1: another thing that pisses me off all the time is when they make segan kind of like hate loki in a way
2: Mm, yeah
1: i've never experienced
2: i've never experienced that either i think sometimes she gets frustrated with him but if you think about it every healthy relationship you have that Right. That's normal.
1: He pisses me off, but like so does everyone
2: else. There's a book called The Gospel of Loki and they're my least favorite portrayal of Segan where they describe her as soupy. <laughs> I stopped reading at that point because I was like, uh what? <laughs>
1: Imagine the muscle in her arms. Like she could beat a bitch up. (laughs) Fuck off, you stupid shit.
2: She's definitely not a pushover in my experience. I kind of liken her to bamboo. Like she knows when to stand steady and strong, but she also knows when to sway so that she doesn't break. I think that's a really powerful quality. Knowing when to hold your ground, but also knowing when to kind of like not fall over for someone, but like give a little leeway.
1: I mean, with Loki, you kind of have to, like, roll with the punches. She certainly teaches us how to do that.
2: I feel like there's a renewed interest, too, kind of in Segan. I'm seeing all these books come out that kind of explore her in different ways.
1: There's the goddess of nothing at all, which, you know, at first glance is kind of insulting. But not really, because they kind of explain it in the book. It portrays Segan as LGBTQ. And definitely gives Segan a lot of authority. I really like how they wrote Logie too. This is my cat, Rector, by the way. I think it was a very positive view of Segan. There's some other things that I was kind of mm, about. <laughs> it's not exactly like a nice tale. And people on the outside who don't actively talk with these gods and see them as people would definitely see it as a much more, it's a dark story. There are more really great choices that are made in that situation. And I think that the author makes a really good point in that but i also like don't really enjoy torture porn which is kind of what it felt like not cool that's fair yeah,
2: yeah. i read that book actually has trigger warnings listed on the author's website because i was curious about it but i went through all the trigger warnings and i was like this is not a book tailored for me yeah, this, not this nice. is not a book that i'm gonna enjoy so i uh didn't read it it's
1: like game of thrones really shitty people doing shitty things to each other highly recommend but if you're not into that and you also really love these characters, uh, don't do it. The other one is my favorite, Truth and Other Lies. And it makes Degan immortal on Midgard and Loki comes to visit her, you know, out of pure chance. They go into detail about why it works out, but it's amazing. I think this is one by um, Lyra Wolf. I highly, highly recommend checking it out. It's a beautiful story, and they really beautifully, like, write Loki and Sigan. They write it in a way that is probably the best portrayal I've seen. Because often they talk about Sigan as if Loki cheated on her with Angra Boda.
2: That always rubs me the wrong way.
1: I know people always think that Loki's the god of lies, but I've never seen him, like, lie like that. That it doesn't seem like his character.
2: It's really not. And that's what I've experienced too. So I do a lot of work with Satan, obviously. And I actually finally asked her just recently, like, okay, I'm curious. What is your relationship here? And there's like, there's really no animosity. It's not like uh at least this is what I experienced. I feel like it's important to preface with that. It's not like they hate each other, it's not like they're fighting for Loki's attention. Like, it's not like that.
1: I think that's just, just a generally sexist feeling. just assuming that an open relationship because there's two women they hate each other kind of goes against the modern view of polyamory also like we don't really know what the views of polyamory were back then we're putting a very modern take on a very complicated relationship between multiple deities it's just wrong to assume i hate it when people just create beef between the gods as if it's our business (laughs)
2: Honestly, it's not. I was going to say, whatever they have is what they have, and that's sacred to them. Just like our relationships with the gods are sacred to us, and it's not really our job to pick it apart.
1: It's not really our job to pick sides. I hate it when people say if you worship, like, Loki, but also worship a deity like Heimdall, they should hate each other and, like, they don't get along. I mean, maybe don't put, like, don't make them share an altar space, but also, like, it's still not your business. It never was. They are who they are and they came to you for their own reasons.
2: Exactly.
1: I mean, you have to accept who the other person is in general. Like, Loki never seemed to be a monogamous character. (laughs) looking at all of his mortal and godly wives and uh, husbands, and there's so many questionable relationships. Loki pretty much banged every deity in the book. Um, That's (laughs) his own business. (laughs) 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 Basically, the Locustena is like, I banged all of you. You don't have a place to say anything. And they don't. (gasps) Anyway.
2: it's interesting too because when I was on the fence about being a god spouse too because I'm a god spouse to Loki I actually talked to Segan about it and I was like does this feel weird to you like is this weird and she's like no of
1: all the weird things about Loki this is weird
2: <laughs> basically and she was like talking me through what it would entail and like she couldn't understand why I was so hesitant I was like Because I don't want to be treading where I don't need to be treading. And it's like, that's not how this works.
1: I don't remember what my initial thoughts were. But yeah, I never really asked Segan. I just assumed that it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, Loki's a lot. And she compliments him. She's like the firefighter to um, his wildfire and kind of keeps him contained.
2: To be with someone like Loki, I think you have to have a lot of patience. (laughs) And um, she definitely has that. And I think with her too, there's an element of grace that goes with her. Grace is not she carries herself very gracefully and she's a gracious goddess. And I think that helps too. I actually do a lot of shadow work with her. It's really interesting because when I started this path, And I started with Loki. I assumed, incorrectly here, that all of my shadow work was gonna be done with him. No. (laughs) He and I have like a really good relationship and we talk and sometimes he helps me process stuff, but I mostly do my shadow work with Seegan. And I think it's because her approach is different. I'm a very soft person. And so I kind of need certain care taken with me. It's not like I can't handle it, but it's like, I'm a crab, I'm squishy. And she's really great in that I'll go and I'll see her because I don't really experience her here. It's mostly in the astral for me. And if I see her, I know that I'm in for shadow work, (laughs) which is, you know, some days I'm like, oh, this is great. And other days I'm like, God damn it. And we'll sit down and she'll pour me tea and we'll talk and we'll have a conversation. But she does it in such a manner that I'm working through things half the time, not even realizing that I'm working through them until after the fact she's always very gentle and helps me peel back kind of the layers of what I'm dealing with.
1: That kind of rings true for my experience of shadow work with Loki. I mean, different strokes for different folks, but he'll like inspire shadow work, but he won't tell you what's what. He kind of just like prompts me. He could be like a little intense, I guess. So he's not like intense in the way that like, he gets
2: angry or he has a no shit sort of way of, about him. I know at one point before I really started working with Segan, he was trying to get me to do something and I got really frustrated at him and I was like, what the fuck are you trying to get me to understand because it's not working? And um, he kind of laughed. I was expecting him to get mad back, but... And that he was just like... <laughs> 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 and then very shortly after that, I started working with Segan. so...
0: My
1: experience with Seegan, I don't really work with her in death, but I do see her whenever I manage to go to the astral. But sometimes I feel her. Sometimes I feel like Seegan with my boyfriend because my boyfriend's very... Um, Fiery in a way, like he's very loud and obnoxious. I love him so much, by the way. He has the same sort of no fucks given vibe about him. And there's obviously a reason that I go for the kinds of people and beings that I do. And I was sitting at like lunch one time and he was like being really loud, really upfront. And I think I was just like really agitated with him. Segan's energy stopped me from feeling so agitated and was actually look at it this way
0: <laughs> like,
1: love him for being this way and accept that he is exactly who he's supposed to be maybe look at him in a more gratitude way like he's not ever lying to you about who he is he's not ever like playing games with you it was more like her energy just kind of made me feel this way instead of feeling agitation I felt a sort of unconditional love for my boyfriend in that moment it was really nice because she was very quiet for a long time I maybe heard her say five words the entire time I've worked with her that's
2: so good yeah it's so good she kind of feels like sunlight sunflowers and lavender I agree completely the few times that I felt her on this plane it always feels like sunshine like a warm hug a gentle energy and you you'd miss
1: it if you weren't thinking about it and i think maybe that's why i don't end up feeling her a lot because her energy is kind of subtle um when loki's is like hello i'm here (laughs)
2: loki loki is that god who literally is like go on a stage there's a spotlight here i am (laughs) segan's like behind the curtain rubbing her temples (laughs) yeah basically One of the things we kind of talked about while we were putting together today's episode, when you do see her, what does she look like to you? And it was interesting because for me, she's very much the pre-Ragnarok Sigyn. So she's always very petite. She's got like very blonde hair. But also, she could definitely like hurt you if you try to hurt those <laughs> that she loves.
1: Yeah, don't fuck with her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I mean she's associated with home and fidelity. So like it makes sense. Like if you come into her home and fuck with things, I'm sorry, that's gonna come back to you.
1: I've seen her the same way. She's very small. She's probably about my height and I'm five foot three.
2: I'm five five and I feel like I tower over her when I go see her.
1: Like I still feel like I tower over her and I feel very awkward. She's like one of those like very tiny people, not like a child. I hate the fact that people would interpret that as her being a child. Just assuming that just because she's tiny means that she's any less of a woman. Like, fuck off with that shit.
2: <laughs> Agreed.
1: And then seeing Loki and Sigan together, it's like, how does that work?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true because he's always so all when i see so him all lanky yeah or like all limbs
1: like a torso for miles <laughs> and then here's segan you always look at those couples and you're just like how <laughs> <laughs> When I started um, gardening at my house, she took me to see her garden at her house, and it was very nice. I love her garden. It's very expansive, and it was a very fruitful garden. I gave her some of my first harvest, the snap peas, some of the roses from my rose bushes. She's not exactly like a harvest goddess. I mean, we don't also know much about her anyway.
2: Nice to share anyway, though.
1: Yeah, and I think she's like a kitchen witch all of the herbs all of the time yeah
2: i can definitely see that with her i always get the feeling too that she's a little bit artistic too
1: yeah pottery
2: and paintings strong cottage core vibes honestly she does though that's the best way to describe it her house is very cozy and her gardens are beautiful those are the perfect words for it out on our discord to kind of see if people had experiences with Sigan or like what they wanted to get to know about her. We got a few responses of people who work with her which is really cool and then one of the common things that also came up is that people want to know how can you offer to her. So this first one's actually from Locase, and I thought this was really interesting because Lokasai actually sees the post-Ragnarok form of Sigan, which is one I've not experienced and they say I'll do regular offerings or devotions to her, but she's rarely present. If I actually want to speak to her, I have to go to the astral. Loki dragged me to their cottage early on and was like, this is my wife.
1: This is my wife. This is my
2: wife. (laughs) Just like he did to me. I like the first time I met her, I was just intimidated. Not sure if there's any other word, not in a malicious way, but I can tell she's the center that Loki rotates around rather than the other way around. She's a very post-Ragnarok sort of Sien. Older, sterner, lost everything, but still insanely caring. I feel that because, like, if I want to actually talk to her, I have to go to the Astral, too. Like, I'll feel her periodically, like, once in a while. But she, like, doesn't come meet me here. I have to meet her. It's also interesting about the post-Ragnarok kind of take on her and how she is. I can see how Ragnarok would make her sterner and older.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if I've ever experienced her as stern honestly i'm not sure i could tell because i feel like a lot of people also identify with her with their grief because there's a lot of people who have lost children themselves relate to her as someone who mourns i mean the same way that i identify with post ragnarok loki people who have been through some shit you know
2: they come as they, as you need them to basically they know what you need and that's the form that they come to you as
1: they also said I asked to work with her a bit more once, and she just kind of looked at me and said, no, I don't have anything to offer you, which did take a bit of working through to figure out. I had the same sort of thing when I first offered to Segan. I don't know. I was, like, initially a little offended. (laughs) Like, what do you mean I can't work with you? I don't know. Maybe, like, I wasn't really open to, like, a soft (laughs) presence, and I had a lot of bullshit to wade through.
2: I think that's fair. I mean, not all the gods are, like, gonna work with you, like, all the time. I had Odin pass through once. I asked him if he was considering working with me or something. His response has stuck with me this whole time because he's like, no, you're too soft. (laughs) And it's not, like, something to be offended by. Sometimes gods just don't offer what we need, and so, you know, it's not a good match.
1: So the next one is from Lafayette and Goat. They said, I do a lot of work with Segan and I have a lot of thoughts about how her and Loki's relationship tends to get over idealized and how too often her agency and their story and relationship gets removed. Like they're either this super too perfect Disney package or she's being taken advantage of slash harmed in some toxic way. On one hand, I know that a lot of trauma and packing and processing can be done through the stories of the gods. But on the other, I'm concerned about how setting unrealistic slash unattainable relationship standards could be damaging to Loki and self-esteem and how it could badly skew discernment. For them, she's very deeds over words. Usually offerings of doing things for others, like writing letters to incarcerated people. Loki is seething. She's soothing. Constancy and compassion and chaos.
2: That's actually a really good thing that they point out here, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, how the agency in a lot of stories, it gets removed, but then Yeah, I do think sometimes maybe it is over-idealized. They're definitely not perfect. Relationships aren't perfect. And I agree. I think setting certain standards can wear on you. I mean,
1: also, I think it's important to realize that just because they're gods doesn't make their relationships perfect. That's part of why we worship the old gods, because they were never perfect to begin with,
2: and they never attempt to be. Well, you gotta imagine there's, like, bickering that happens periodically, and, like, I'm sure when she was holding the bowl, she wasn't exactly, like, probably thrilled with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, considering a lot of the translations, it says she finds no glee in her husband. No, I wouldn't either. (laughs) I wouldn't be like over the moon to find that my husband has been chained to a rock and now I'm here with him for eternity. I don't imagine she was all too pleased. There's some interesting things to be said about what she must have felt looking down at him and having to sit with him for all that time. I think that says a lot about also her resilience because I know it's really hard for me to deal with people when they're going through a particularly difficult time in their lives because I either like feel like I have to take it all in or I have to like, help them in some way and Zegan seems to have that balance going on. Yeah maybe it's a good thing to work on.
2: As we said earlier in this episode she knows when to empty the bowl and take care of herself and she knows when to hold it. And actually what Lafayette and Goat was saying here about offerings kind of leads into us talking about offerings. They say that she's very deeds oriented and I can see that. Do what you're going to do. Don't say you're going to do it. Just do it. I think most of the Norse
1: gods feel like that in a way. Yeah. That's what I vibe with. You can say that you are something all you want, but until you actually make the deeds to show for it, then who cares? You can say that you're a priest slash priestess of whatever, but if you don't do the things that such priest slash priestess should do, then I don't really care what you say you are because it doesn't look like it to me.
2: Exactly. I try to live my life with compassion because that's what she does and i think that's a really good way to be and i definitely try to model what i do after her be that person who can be the gentle touch for the people around them
1: or like even as a devotee anyway embodying their values and follow through be good on your word and i mean that's why i love the norse gods as they are because integrity is such a huge concept for them that kind of notion is very life-changing
2: for a lot of people so that actually ties in with our next one, too. This is from Miss Vivi. She's talking about the bowl ritual, which is a thing a lot of people set aside time and they hold a bowl. She says, I do it physically, and the last time I did it, I did it in a way that I wanted to be sure was more like what she might deal with. So I was kneeling, though it occurs she'd be more likely to stand. I pick a bowl I can hold up, but not one that's too heavy to hold for more than a minute. After a while, it does get more heavy, of course. I've heard of someone who does it in their bathtub with water dripping. I'd like to try that someday. I usually have white noise or cave noises on to help with the mood and I usually light a candle and close my eyes. I make sure to hold it aloft as long as I can without locking up my elbows. I feel like that's a pretty common ritual for her. A lot of people do to honor what she's been through. People have like a lot of different ways
1: to do it. If you're interested in a more detailed description of the bull ritual, I highly recommend checking out Blood Unbound. It's available on Lulu, L-U-L-U. It was put together by Bat Colazzo. It has all different poetry and essays, fiction, rituals by different Lokians. I really like how Bat talks about the bull ritual and that. So I highly recommend checking that out for anyone who wants to do that. I don't think I have enough experience with it to talk in detail. It was also kind of a
2: personal thing. A lot of things like that are very personal and they're kind of for you and your deity to know. My version of holding the bull I talked about earlier, I went to the cave and I actually held the bull. I've not done a ritual here, but I think it can be a really powerful experience. Sorry. Sarah, have you, I'm just curious, have you ever done the bull holding ritual?
1: Yeah, I did do. I have done the bull ritual, I think twice. The first time was when I started working with Loki and the second time was also near the start of when I w- I worked with Loki, so suffice to say, it's been a couple years. I guess I was, like, a little traumatized but and I found that going into it, I needed to make my intentions a lot clearer. I had a little bit of a discourse with Loki. Again, he's very protective of Segan, and it's not like I actually insulted her. It was more like I needed to reevaluate where I was coming from.
2: Like, kind of why you were doing it?
1: Yeah. If I remember correctly, it was more about I was doing it because I felt like I needed to serve my deity, which is like serving Loki. But she's not coming from a place of serving. She's coming from a place of devotion and love, which I don't think I understood quite yet. Um, I do now. So maybe I'll try again later. But (laughs) I'm still a little like self conscious about it because I feel like it's a very vulnerable thing to do. And I'm very bad with that so I'd have to be in a good place
2: (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) definitely we do have other offerings you can offer her too I mean you don't obviously have to do the same as everybody else some things that I've kind of found and Sarah's kind of found for her the deeds and service like that's always a good one flowers flowers is a big one I keep meaning to get a vase from her side of the altar whenever I find lavender purple flowers I put them on her side of the altar
1: that was a cool upg i had with her was when i started getting to know her i asked loki what she would like because he was the only one responding here and he was like purple flowers and i was like well shit i got out of my car after having said conversation and there were violets in my parents driveway so i picked them and gave them to her (laughs) So purple flowers seem to be her thing. This is all UPG, of course.
2: Yeah, this is UPG. I also find that purple in general is a good thing for her.
1: I mean, it works Um, out. It's the color of um, devotion and dignity.
2: So it makes sense.
1: She has a lot of dried flowers, fake flowers, real flowers, pretty scented candles.
2: Yeah, scented candles. I actually just got her a candle that smells like fig. And rosemary. And it's cool because it's also in a purple container. (laughs) Uh, Another thing that I do for her too is like stuff with butterflies. I had one of those crystals in a butterfly. It used to be a pendant on a necklace I wore all through high school. And I took it off the pendant. I put it on her side of the altar and it catches the light really well. And then like I have prayer beads that Sarah made that are purple and pink and they have butterflies on them as well. I gave her seashells too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From the last time I went to the ocean.
1: Yeah, she does seem to like seashells and pastel colors.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. You can also give her tea. I found she really likes chamomile. Like herbal teas in general. And then I think you can honor her too, just by living your life in a way that's compassionate to others and to yourself. That's what I try to do in my day-to-day life. And I'm still learning the compassion for myself part of that. But I think if you can kind of live your life being kind to others, that honors her as well.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. important to say that most of what we've talked about today is personal experience a lot of the deities especially female deities that we know of in the norse pantheon have very little story behind them and there's probably a lot of deities that we just don't know and this is one of those circumstances but because she's the wife of Loki, our experiences seem to
2: be more personal in a way. Nobody will ever experience the same thing exactly like anybody else does. And a lot of this is UPG. Just how it kind of goes. When you do this kind of spiritual work, you develop your own relationships and you develop your own experiences.
1: So if anyone has different experiences from what we've talked about, there's nothing wrong with your experiences. If she comes to you in a, in a way that doesn't resonate at all with what we're talking about, that's still valid. We're just two people talking about basically an unknown goddess. Don't treat our words like-, like fa- The hard
2: and fast truth.
1: <laughs> yes. So make of it what you will. And hopefully these words will like help you spring a practice with her that may not have otherwise been something that you considered.
2: If you feel called to her, this gives you the encouragement to kind of reach out.
0: If you like what you've heard here today, you can find lightning struck logins across various social media platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, WordPress, and Discord. And if the method you're currently listening to this on isn't your cup of tea, don't worry, we're probably on the one that you prefer. Check out our profile on anchor.fm linked in the show notes below for more info. And now here's a few last words from this month's hosts
1: definitely check out our Discord. We're, it's a pretty hopping Discord full of really awesome people from all walks of Lokianism, (laughs) if that's a
2: word. It's a really a great place to be and it's a really safe environment. Um, And we have people from all different experiences on there.
1: And we also have like my monthly rituals. I, I run full moon rituals and it's really good if you don't have anywhere else to practice with other people. I really like making that space. If you like what I have to say, I, I am the Alan Fox on Tumblr. I also have a WordPress blog called Walking the blog, And I also have an Etsy shop called Leaves of Yggdrasil Co. And I have a bunch of devotional items for the Norse gods, um, like altar boxes, candles, and prayer beads. And I think that's it. How about you, Birdie?
2: Yeah, you kind of want to see kind of more of what I do. I run two Tumblrs actually. Um- Um, My pagan Tumblr is The Raven and the Moon and I post a lot of like witchcraft stuff on there as well as like Loki and deity related stuff. And then my personal Tumblr, I'm just birdgirl90 on Tumblr and I post like random quotes and stuff if that's your jam. Also, Lightning Struck Lokians is on Instagram. Yeah. Because I know that's a really good place to find us. Yeah, that's it.
0: Thanks for joining us again guys. This podcast was made possible by the collective volunteer efforts of the Lightning Struck Locians Community Discord, a haven of online practitioners dedicated to keeping pagan discussion spaces welcoming, inclusive, and discerning. This month's episode was transcribed by Ira Olfrid Arson and edited by Nicole Eliza-Joan, with podcast logo by Mars Malice. To keep up to date on all our social media, And when our next episode is about to drop, check out the links in our show notes for more info.